Welcome back to another edition of On the Board Sports. I'm your host, Will Trucci, a.k.a. Will C. And I have my partner, my main man in crime, joining me via face, FaceTime audio, Sean Thomas. Sean, how you doing today? Will, I am doing good. It is Friday, so I am doing well. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing awesome with a capital A, man. You know, can't complain. Um, it's Friday. I'm really enjoying myself, and I can't wait for this weekend. But right now, we have a very special guest with us right now, and I'm very honored. And along with my partner, too, he's a... Oh, I also forgot. Shout out to Miles for holding down the studio. So, Miles is awesome with a capital A. And also, just want to give a quick shout out to the people here at Gotham Podcast Studios. They're awesome with a capital A. They're wonderful. Um, Mac Peters and uh, Brianna Peters, they're always awesome with a capital A. But also... We have a very special guest with us today. Joining us is the voice of the New York Islanders on MSG, and he does NHL games via NBC Sports Network. I'm talking about the one and only Brendan Burke. Brendan, how are you? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me on. Anytime, anytime. Can't complain. We'll get into the state of the Islanders in just a minute, but first, I want to, and my partner would like to know, how you got into broadcasting, because it's a very interesting story with you, Brendan, how you basically started up and came with the New York Islanders. So I'll let you, the floor is all yours. Oh, it's a, it's a long story, but uh, I'll give you the cliff notes of it. Uh, I, I guess the genesis, uh, genesis of it is uh, my dad is a sports writer and, and has been um, since I was born. So I kind of grew up within the, the sports media and, and specifically, oddly enough, the New York sports media. So um, I kind of got an inside look at it from an early age. And when I was about nine years old, this is the path that I wanted to go down. And uh, I spent every day pretty much since then trying to make it happen and Wound up uh, attending Ithaca College and getting a job uh, right out of school, both doing baseball and hockey. And I spent 10 years in the minor leagues before I uh, ultimately got the job with the Islanders. And uh, this is year number three for me. What's it like? Uh, we all know Howie Rose. He was the, the play-by-play guy before you got in, Brendan. But what's it like broadcasting games with Butch, man? I, I, I want to know. I want to know the butchisms, everything like that. Words with Butch. Dude, it's all, it's awesome hearing you two do a game. You know, it's you guys mesh so well. But what is it like working besides Butch Goring? Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, Butch and I get along, uh, you know, quite well. That's not an act. You know, what you guys see on TV and hear us talk. I mean, we spend a lot of time together. We... Uh, especially this year with uh, a little bit of a different travel arrangements where we're, we're flying separately from the team. So we spend a lot of time in, in cabs and Ubers and, and, you know, waiting around for flights and eating meals together. And so we spend a lot of time together and, and we uh, enjoy each other's company. And, and so I, hopefully that comes across on the broadcast. But um, aside from that, I mean, I get to work with a guy who has won four Stanley Cups. Uh, I get to work with a guy who is one of the iconic members of this fantastic franchise. And for somebody who, listen, I'm, I'm 34 years old. I wasn't alive when the Islanders won their last cup. So to have a guy sitting next to me that not only remembers those, but was involved intricately in winning those cups and being able to tie in an era of Islanders hockey that I would never be able to do on my own, um, I, it just creates, uh, you know, what I think is a, is a great perspective, you know, for the viewer, for Islanders fans to have uh, what he says on the broadcast because it's coming from that that place. So, 
that dude, that's really that's really awesome with a capital A to say the very least. Third time saying that. But uh Brendan, you know, we talk about the Islanders right now, and this is the first time since November nineteenth to the twenty first in two thousand eleven that the Islanders got shut out five nothing on uh Tuesday against Boston and then four nothing going up against the Montreal Canadiens yesterday, uh, up at the Bell Center, Carey Price made 28 saves. But you know what? What's what's the state of the Islanders right now in your mind? You you do all the games and you see what's going on day by day, and you get a bird's eye view of how this team plays. But what, what what's the state on the Islanders? Yeah, I, th- I think right now that uh, you know the offense has has just not been there for what is is now an extended period of time. I mean, even when you know you go back before these these two shutouts, uh, you know they were able to score a power play goal against Minnesota and an overtime three on three goal out of the three goals that they scored. So one five on five goal, that's not good enough. Uh, they lost the previous game, forty two shots on goal against Detroit, and only one goal. And they had a stretch last week where. Uh, all of their goals were coming from defense, and Ryan Pollock had a couple of them. And so just the forwards just have not been able to score, and I think it's kind of snowballed and come to a head where uh, there's been so much pressure on these guys to perform and produce offensively that it has thrown their game completely out of whack, and now they're starting to lax on the defensive zone coverages. And you're starting to see, you know, not only are they being shut out, but they're 4-5-0, and five nothing, where you know, Robin Leonard – gave up five goals the other day. It was the first time he'd done that since before Thanksgiving. So, uh, you know, they're, they're reverting to some of their bad habits. And, you know, the question is, how are they going to get out of it? They've got eight games to figure it out. I think they're still in a very good spot where it'd be hard for them to fall out of a playoff position. It's still possible um, with where everybody else is in the standings, but I think it's unlikely. But at the same time, you don't want to back your way into the playoffs and, and, you know, while I think they're they're in a pretty good spot to make it, you also don't want to fall into a wild card spot where you could potentially take on the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round. I don't think anybody wants that matchup. So, uh, you know, they've they've got some work to do, and, and hopefully they can get it figured out tomorrow against Philadelphia. You talk about the power yeah, play. Definitely. Go ahead, Sean. I'm sorry. Yeah, definitely, Brendan. Um, the question that I have for you is, you know, during the summertime, you know, we weren't sure, you know, how this team would do. Can you just tell me and Will uh, and the fans the the job that you feel that Coach Barry uh, Trotz has done? Because you know, to me and Will and the fans, he's done a outstanding job taking a team that you know very few people thought would be in the position that they are at now. So, could you just? Uh, talk to us about the job that you think Coach Coach uh, Barry uh, Trotz has done uh, uh, so far. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, you know, for me, he's he's my Jack Adams, you know, number one, and and the Jack Adams Award for for the Coach of the Year is actually a a uh, an award that I get a vote on. It's if if you're unaware, there are a lot of different awards and a lot of different people that vote on them, but the one award that is handed out by the Broadcasters uh, Association is is the Jack Adams Award, and while there are a lot of candidates for the performances they've done. And and trust me, there are other guys who have done incredible jobs coaching, Uh, being able to watch this team and to see what Barry Trotz has done with a, uh, I guess a a less powerful roster than last year. And defensively with basically the same roster as last season, minus Calvin DeHaan. I mean, you take Calvin DeHaan out of it and I know he was injured for most of last season, but still at the same time, you're working with the same group of D at least off the start. And Devontae's is coming and changed that, but you're working with the same group of defensemen, 
a, a goaltender that had an awful year last year in Thomas Grice, Robin Leonard, who has been inconsistent throughout his career and was picked up basically off the scrap heap from Buffalo. And he's turned them into one of, if not the best defensive unit in the National Hockey League. And so he's done something that other people couldn't do. And so to be able to take that and just from one year to the next, I mean, the Islanders, don't forget, they gave up 293 goals last year. Not only the most in the National Hockey League, but the most in the National Hockey League in the last 11 years. Uh, It's been a remarkable turnaround. And I think a lot of that has to do with not only Barry Trotz, the system he brought in, the assistant coaches he's brought in, but also his ability to coach, which means his ability to get the players to buy into what he's selling. Barry Trotz can have the exact plan on what you need to do, but that doesn't get accomplished if they're not executing it to a T. And I think that's where they got off such a strong start. And right now he's asking the guys to kind of re-engage and buy back in. And I think the, the lack of practice time, I think really here since the all-star break has hurt this team because they're a team that is, is, they play on a, with a razor thin margin for error on most nights and uh, some of their details haven't been up to snuff and without that practice time to necessarily reinforce some of those it's it's been a tough stretch but uh, he has done an absolutely incredible job and um, like I said he's going to be my vote my number one vote for the Jack Adams so with uh, with Lou Amarillo coming in and basically after John Tavares walked and you know, everybody's talking about, you know, all oh, with the Valtteri Filippolis signing and the Leo Komarov signing. They didn't do much. And they got Robin Leonard in there with a the one-year prove-it deal. But so far, for for everybody that's involved in that locker room, uh, Brendan, you see it. You see everybody coming together. These guys are clubhouse guys. And at the trading deadline, many Islander fans really wanted to see a guy like Mar- Mark Stone or even a Matthew Shane come over to uh, the island and – Lou Amarillo wasn't having it for the prices that the opposing GMs were uh, were going out there and looking for. So, uh, Brendan, I got to ask you, you know, is this team set up for right now for this playoff push? Um, I mean, I guess it depends. Uh, you know, this is this is a team that that throughout the entire season has always been better than the sum of its parts. And you know, you've hear you've heard Barry Trotz say it many times: the strength of the group is the group. And if you were to take these individual parts and and that's what everybody projected the roster on, right? You look at it over the summer and everyone looks at the roster and goes, this team's not any good because if you break it down individually, there are teams with more skill, more speed, more whatever than the New York Islanders, but put them together and playing the way that Barry Trotz wants them to play. They are a playoff team. They're at 91 points and a chance to get to a hundred points this season. I mean, that's remarkable. So, um, you know, they are set up the same way that Vegas was set up last year who lost in the Stanley Cup final. So uh, they're certainly not as, as sexy as some names on their roster. And would you like to see more uh, a more scoring power? For sure. But, you know, going back to the trade deadline, I think that um, the price that Lou Lemrell was not willing to pay was for a rental, for somebody that was going to come in here for a few months. Because this team, as I've said, is not about the individual. So one player isn't going to put the team over the edge. If one player could make a difference, he probably would have made the deal. But to give up something, to give up a young player, to give up potentially an Anthony Beauvillier or a first-round pick or something along those lines for a player that was only going to be here for a couple of months, 
that was just not going to fly because this team and this regime of Lou Lamorello and company are building towards the future, and you don't mortgage that future in year one over your plan. So I think that heading into the playoffs, they are as set up as anybody else that has 91 points at this point in the season, which is not a lot of teams right now in the National Hockey League. So um, it's, it's now just a matter of whether or not they can get their game back on track before the postseason begins. Sean, you have anything to to add or to say? Yeah, um, yeah, um, I definitely do. You know, Brendan. Um, my last question for you is: When John Tavares left during the uh, summertime, everybody looked at Matt uh, Barzell as the as the next great one, um, as the next great um, um, a player of uh, four. Uh, so, if he is, can you just uh, talk about the season that you felt he's had so far, and if he is going to take that next step from good to great, what are some parts of the game, or what do you think he needs to do to go from good to that next great star that we hope he um he could be? Yeah, I, I think Barry Trotz has uh, you know has said it over and over again that he thinks that Matt Barzell has the potential to be a great hockey player, uh, but it's not a complete game. You know, Matt Barzell at 85 points last season, but, you know, he was not a plus player. He's not a plus player right now. Uh, So I think that a lot of it has to do with his play away from the puck and his willingness to play away from the puck because he certainly at times plays like he's afraid he'll never get the puck back. So he hangs on to it for long periods of time. And I think he's starting to learn what he can do to give up the puck to a teammate and then make himself available to be an option to get it back. I think that's part of the game that has come around for him. I think Butch Goring has talked about it many times that with the way that Matt Barzell skates, he should be the best four-checker on the team. I think that's something that he can look at as as in, uh, something that he can do on a more consistent basis. You know, He hasn't scored in 15 games. He doesn't shoot a whole lot. He had a stretch where he was driving the net and shooting, and he was wound up being rewarded for it quite often. He hasn't done that probably consistently enough. So there are little things within his game on top of the defensive zone coverages that um, you know, that he still struggles with sometimes. He plays for the majority of the season. He's a center that plays in the defensive zone like a winger. You see him out towards the D. You see him on the walls. You'll see other players take face-offs in the defensive zone, even with him on the ice. So I think there's a lot of things to learn away from the puck and in the defensive zone. And Barry Trotz is, is certainly working on him with him. So he's still just 21 years old. He's a young kid. He's in his second year. He has the ability to be great, but they want him to be a great player, not just a great offensive player. Speaking of the offense right now, this Islanders power play unit is absolutely atrocious. They're ranked 28th in the league, and last year they were ranked 5th. Obviously, a lot of last year's uh, great power play has had to be attributed to uh, the ex-captain, but the uh, this power play right now, like I said, is awful. Uh, Brendan, do you see them uh doing any changes you know on the fly going into the uh the postseason i mean what else are you gonna try i mean this is if, if they had a magic fix they'd have done it by now right uh, you know they've got one one goal on their last 30 power plays so um they've tried some changes they've switched up uh putting uh Devon Taves on the top power play unit as the lone defenseman instead of Nick Letty. Uh, they've tried Letty with, with uh, Ryan Pollock on that second unit. They've tried Barzell on the goal line. They've tried him on the half wall. They flip with Jordan Everly. I, I, they're trying different things. It's just a matter uh, of execution and, and speed. I think that they tend to slow things down on the power play instead of speed up. 
Uh, and the power plays that are successful kind of fling the puck around pretty quickly, and the Islanders are a little more deliberate with them. And so you can draw up these plays and put them in the right spots, but then they have to go out there and execute. So um, I, I don't know what the answer is. I don't think the coaches know what the answer is at this point, but you know, obviously that has been a huge point in the game lately and really all season, even last night. Barry Trotz going as far as to saying that he thought that, you know, the Montreal Canadiens actually gained momentum on the Islanders power play because not only was it ineffective in terms of scoring, it was so ineffective that it actually energized Montreal. So um, it is certainly a huge concern right now. I'm, I'm no doubt it is keeping the coaches up at night. So we'll see if they can get it figured out. Uh, here moving forward because it is it is certainly a major concern and to be fair with uh with regards to the to the goalies as well you have Leonard coming back from injury you have uh Andrew Ladd coming back from injury and you have a guy like Thomas Sicky coming back from injury you know so obviously they're not going to be in game mode just yet but do you see the uh the young kids coming up like uh, an MDC Michael Dow Cole uh, playing a couple of games down the stretch, you know, relieving some of some of the playing time off of the off of the vets. Yeah, I think it's possible. I think that's more, um, you know, getting some some fresh legs in in the lineup here. You know, with the struggles, I think if they had a group that was clicking right now, I, I think that those guys wouldn't be in the lineup. But uh, you know, they've they've got to figure out a way to replace Valtteri Filippo. That's a huge hole for them, and you know, the center depth is a problem. I thought Tanner Fritz played pretty well last night in his first game back in the NHL. But you're going to see Fritz. You're going to see Michael Dalcole. You know, you may see Tom Kunaki. You may see Ross Johnson. They've got plenty of guys uh, to try and plug in. And they're just trying to find, you know, the way it fits. It seems like they've settled on, at least for now, and we'll see if this is the same case tomorrow, but it seems like they've settled on Eberle, uh, Lee, and Barzell. And, of course, the fourth line of, of Kunaki, Martin, and Clutterbuck. But those middle two, uh, where Nelson fits, where Bailey fits, where Ladd fits, where uh, you know Komarov plays, Beauvillier plays, all of these things uh, are kind of up in the air as they try and generate some more offense. So um, they certainly have options with those guys, uh, you know, sitting on the sidelines right now. They've got a plenty of healthy bodies. It's just a matter of whether or not we get to see, you know, how effective they are and if they get an opportunity, what they do with it. Brendan, just a couple more questions for you, and then we'll we'll let you go. Um, who was, I know your father was a big, uh, big key in your life to becoming a broadcaster, but did you have any idols growing up as far as like who you wanted to mold yourself to as far as broadcasters go like a Joe Buck or, or, uh, or, uh, uh, the, the guy's name is, uh, leaving my, my mind right now. Doc Emmerich. What, how, uh, do you have, uh, an idol for that when you were growing up or? Yeah, I mean, I was fortunate enough to grow up in, in New Jersey, in, in northern Jersey, where I had, you know, MSG. I had Sports Channel. I, I had, you know, I had Doc or the Devils. I had, you know, I, I had Sam on the Rangers. I had Howie on the Islanders. I had all those guys uh, when I was growing up to watch and to listen to. And, and one thing that I've, I've always done because I wanted to be a broadcaster at such a young age that I try to pay attention to as many guys as I could. And um, when I got to college, I got a subscription to Sirius XM where you can kind of listen to all of the radio broadcasts for uh, all of the uh, all of the major sports. And I guess it was just XM at that point. They hadn't even combined yet to date mm-hmm. myself a little bit. But, um, you know, I just I, I kept an open ear and, and I watched games, I think, differently than 
than a regular sports fan would where you're you're concerned with the game i'm concerned with the broadcasters i'm concerned with the call and so i've tried to take as much as i can from as many broadcasters as i can and try and mold it into what i think is my own i, I don't know if i sound like anybody else but i'm certain that i sound like everybody else in certain parts of what i do so um you know to me doc is the gold standard I think he, he brings that energy and the emotion to me that captivates an audience when you're watching a hockey game. I think that hockey's such a, a fast and fluid and emotional game uh, when you're in the building that, you know, the main goal of mine and, and should be for most play-by-play broadcasters is to bring that emotion through the TV or through the radio to the person that's sitting at home or in their car watching or listening to it. And so for me, I think Doc does that better than anybody. And so that's the type of energy that I want to have when I'm on the call, because I think that's what translates to the sport of hockey the best. So, um, you know, he's certainly a guy I look up to, but there's, there's so many influences that I've had, uh, you know, throughout my career and I, and I still do it. I still listen and watch and, and take notes on different guys as I'm watching games. So it's a, it's a constant learning process. You talk about emotion and you talk about broadcasting in the building, Brendan, you broadcasted games, hockey games almost all around the country now. But the one thing that many a fan wants to know about is the fact that number one, you broadcast the Islander games at Barclays center and the Islanders are very special they're fortunate enough, even the fans are fortunate enough to go back to Nassau Coliseum for half the season. What's it like broadcasting between going from Barclays Center and then going from Nassau Coliseum? Well, you know, for me, they're two of the best vantage points in the NHL. Um, you know, Barclays Center is, is probably the closest place where we get to broadcast from in terms of position away from the ice. And the Coliseum is not too far behind that. So, um, you know, for me, it's it's a dream come true. The two best locations to broadcast from are my two home buildings. So, you know, that's 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 a great positive for me for just the ease of being able to do my job as effectively as I can to be able to see as much as I can. Um, you know, but the, but the atmosphere is great at the Coliseum. It's it's special. It's been fun. It's it certainly has a different vibe to it. You know, you get that that Saturday night or that playoff feel on a random Tuesday night in the middle of February. And that's not something that a lot of buildings have. So um, it's been a lot of fun to go back there. It seems for me like I was always missing that being the new guy that joined the team after they had already moved to Brooklyn. And obviously the Coliseum is such a special place to really everybody with the Islanders from the players to the fans to the front office and everybody that's been Islanders fans for a lot longer than I've been around. Um, not having ever called a game there felt like there was, you know, something missing for me. So uh, to be able to not feel like that anymore and to be able to have that experience and to know what it's like to call games in the buildings that they won their three, three out of their four cups in, uh, you know, it's, it's great to be able to kind of complete that from my perspective. Brendan, as the final eight games come up during the, uh, to close the regular season for this uh, Islanders team, where do you see this, this team finishing? Oh, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm in my, my job is to tell you what already happened. That's, that's what I do. <laughs> I, I, I'm, the, uh, I'm not in the, the guessing or forecasting business. I, I describe to you in detail what has already happened. So I'm not about to jump out into the future here. I have no problem with that. That's, that's a very good answer. That's a very good answer. All right. Sean, you have anything else to add? Or? No, man. No, man. I'm Good, man. I know that Brennan has a busy schedule, so I just want to thank him for giving us a few minutes, man. Thank you so, so much, pal. Thank you so much. It's been an honor, man. Brendan. 
Brendan, how do the people follow you on social media? Because a lot of people, you, you know how the world is now. Everybody wants to get connected, intertwined, everything like that. So the floor is all yours. How, how can the people follow and get to know Brendan Burke? Uh, Twitter and Instagram, Brendan M. Burke, M as in Matthew is my middle name. And uh, that's uh, where you can find me on both uh, Twitter and, and a very less active approach on Instagram. But still, I'm on, I'm on both those things. Awesome with a capital A, Brendan. Awesome with a capital A. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been a real honor to have you on the show. And who knows, maybe one day you'll be in studio with us here talking talking uh, hockey with us and talking Islanders more specifically. And, you know, I'll, I'll see you at the games. You know, it, it's been awesome with a capital A, to say the very least, to have you on, Brent. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. No problem. Thank you for coming Thank you, on. Thank you, Brendan. Thank you. That was Brendan Burke for from MSG Network, and he covers the Islanders. He broadcasts games for the Islanders. Really awesome with a capital A to have him on, to say the very least, man. You know, ha- Sean, I-, I-, I can't believe it, man. Our first actual broadcasting legend coming on to to the show. Absolutely amazing. You know what, Will, man? It just, it just goes to show you like how big the show is getting because well i'm pretty sure before any of the guests we have on especially the high the high uh what's the word i want to say um like the high uh profile guests especially those well i'm sure that they do their research on what they're about to come on and speak to like if we didn't have anything in the show all these guests would probably tell us no, but I'm pretty sure, you know, people jump on the show because they see that we are a legit show and we've had legit guests on. So to have the voice of a team that we all love and we all um, adore, man, that was a great, great thing. And uh, But Will, man, Will has been knocking it out the ballpark when it comes to the guests, Will. So pat yourself on the back, Will. That was an awesome, awesome job, man. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. But, you know, I the credit goes to you because without you, there would be no show. So it's been really awesome to say the very least, man. So just wanted to just throw that out there, you know? Just wanted to throw that Definitely. out there. So it, 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 the feeling's mutual, and, you know, what more can I say? Uh, you have any final thoughts, Sean? Uh, no final thoughts. Well, uh, no final thoughts. Um, no, that was, that was no, it was great. Uh, speaking of him and, you know, um, you know, he gave, he gave us a lot of good Islanders, uh, uh, inside and well, it's funny. He gave us the politically correct answer he did. <laughs> on your last question. He Will, did. So and you know, what, right, real, real smooth. <laughs> right, rightfully so, you know, that, that was the right, that was the right answer right there. So, you know what? Hey, more power to him. Love the guy. He's That's awesome. Right. So, he is, man. Definitely. He is. All right. I have no final thoughts either. Just, you know, this team's got to wake up. That's all I got to say. They'll definitely be playing They'll definitely. be playing on Saturday against Philadelphia, a 1 o'clock game, and then they come home and they play the Arizona Coyotes, the resurgent and hot Arizona Coyotes. So it's going to be tough down the stretch, man, you know, and who would have thought? Who would have thought this all at the beginning of the year? Four. Everybody here at Gotham Podcast Studios, for Miles, our wonderful producer, and for Brendan Burke coming on to the show. Thank you, Brendan, again 
truly, truly awesome with a capital A. And for my partner, Sean Thomas, via FaceTime, I'm William Trucci, logging out.